Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. It is good to be with you guys again, and uh, I'm used to sitting over in my spot over there every week, you know how you have your place, but um, this is the place that that Jesus has invited me to be in at this time, and I'm happy to be here, and I have something on my heart that I believe Jesus has put inside of me for us today, but first we're going to pray, and then um, we're going to see what Jesus is going to do today. So let's do pray together. God, I saw behind Marty next to the cross on the wall where it says, it's all about Jesus. And Lord, it is all about Jesus. We know that there is nothing we can produce or achieve or accomplish either personally or as a congregation without you, Jesus in our hearts, in our midst, in our souls, where we're thinking your thoughts and we're dreaming your dreams and and we're using your gifts and, above all, sharing your passion. And so I pray for the Holy Spirit. I pray for the presence of Jesus. I pray for the passion of heaven to flood our hearts this morning so that we are united in passion and purpose. I pray, Lord God, that as as we offer our lives to you to bear your passion, that we would also, uh, with joy, offer you the, the tithes and the gifts and the offerings we have for you today. And so will you bless the offering and may we know you even in, in these moments, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Marty has been doing a series um, called The Best Year Ever, and um, I'm going to continue in that series. Uh, The recurring theme that I've been seeing uh, the last two or three weeks that Marty's been preaching has been this. Among all the different messages he's preached, he has said this, "Our, our best year will not happen without being intentional. In other words, our best year ever will not happen as we just wait for it to happen. It's something that happens when we commit our hearts, our lives, our minds, our bodies, our soul forward. So God's priority in order for us to have the best year ever must increasingly become the priority in the way we live our everyday lives. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? That if I want the best year ever, and I want that best year ever to because, be because I'm serving Jesus, then I need to know what he wants for me. I was talking to my son yesterday. He is, our younger son, pastors the Vineyard Church in Omaha. Some of you know that. And um, we were just kind of comparing notes. I said, you know, so father and son are preaching on the same day. Uh, they're an hour ahead of us this time of year. Um, but he goes along, so he's probably still preaching to listen to this, so I had to say that. Um, and he, I said, so what are you preaching on? And he goes, Dad, I'm preaching on passion. And he's telling me all about his sermon. And he says, what are you preaching on? And I said, well, the title of my message happens to be passion. 
So completely separately, and we haven't talked in about a week and a half, two weeks, God laid the same thing on our hearts. And there are actually things in each of our messages that are almost identical to, the, to, to each other's message. So I love that the Holy Spirit does that sort of thing. He did it for my son, and he did it for me through my son, because I believe that God's son has passion for us. So I'm going to be actually using the Passion Translation this morning. And if you don't, aren't familiar with that, that's actually available on Bible Gateway in the many, many selections of translations that are available. So I wanted to let you know that I'm doing that. So Jesus reveals God's priority for us. And the priority for us, we if there's anything else we don't know, is that it is seeking the kingdom of God. Now, we've heard that over and over again in our lives. We've heard it over and over again in the church. But seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness really is his priority for us. And every other priority that we have in our lives flows out of that one call upon us. Seek my kingdom. Seek my righteousness. If Jesus is really God, if Jesus really is the word of God, when he says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, he's revealing his will for our lives. So I'm going to read you some parts of Matthew 6, 25 through 34. This is what Jesus says. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food and water and clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? And isn't there more to your body than clothing? So then, forsake your worries. Forsake your worries. Why do you say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For, what? For that is what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your, your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? He says this again. So above all, above all, not in line with other things, but above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. Seek God's kingdom constantly and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. And then part of the last verse, refuse to worry about tomorrow. Because your priority is the kingdom. And as you put the kingdom of God first, as you choose to seek God and choose to seek his presence in your life, as you choose to say, Jesus, I need you in me. I want your kingdom. I can't be righteous on my own. Help me to be righteous in you. As I focus on those things, everything else takes its place in my life. Not that I never worry. Not that I never fear. Not that, that um, there are times when I feel... Not times when I feel like, like giving up and taking things into my own hands. But as I seek his kingdom, everything takes its place in my life. So the, prior, the teachings of Jesus pursue the kingdom and the rest of our life will go as Jesus wants it to. Now, again, on this theme of being intentional, I need to say this. In the kingdom of God, there is no passive way forward. Again, this doesn't just happen in our lives. There's no passive, listen to, uh, no passive way forward. Listen to Matthew eleven twelve. From the moment John, the baptizer, stepped onto the scene until now, until this moment, 
to this moment, not just when Jesus is speaking. The realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. The realm of God's kingdom is not some passive force, not some Luke Skywalker force. The realm of God's kingdom is the rule and reign of the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit coming from heaven and being manifest on earth. And as people, as passionate people, we get to take hold of that and run with it with all of our hearts and minds and bodies and souls. I love that. It is, not to be, it is not only to be our priority, but our passion. We have to forsake, we have to identify and, and forsake the passivity we find in our lives. And we all have it in, in us. Um, Ephesians 4.14 says if we don't do that, we end up being tossed to and fro by waves of doctrine and, and emotion and, and the stuff that happens on this planet. But as a centered, hopeful people who are passionate, we're stabilized from the inside out in the ways of God. Uh, I lead a group here from time to time called Men Pursuing Purity. Some of you know that. So in that group, we're dealing with, with sexual and relational brokenness and expressions of addiction. And one of the ways ways we challenge the men in the group is that there is no passive road to freedom. And that is true for all of us. There's no passive road to freedom. As we're pursuing Jesus, he shows us how to break through and be united with him. I love that. We need, we must engage with God. We must engage with God. God doesn't just happen to me. I get to respond. He's engaged with me and I get to engage with him. Isn't that incredible? He's that real, that purposeful near us and in us. There are many definitions of passion. Um, As you well know uh, about passion, I found one from a secular source that sounds like it was written for... um, by a Christian, it says this, passion is when you put more energy into something that is required to do it. It is more than just enthusiasm or excitement. Passion is ambition. Passion is ambition that is materialized into action. This sounds like a Bible verse. To put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as possible. Passion is ambition. And in God's kingdom, my passion is is a godly passion. My ambition is a godly ambition to take what God has offered me and to make something happen in this world with his help. Make something happen inside of me. Jesus calls it the greatest commandment. You know it. Love the Lord your God. With every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. You're probably familiar with the translation, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, strength. Love God. Be passionate for him. Be intentional to engage with him and allow him to reach into your heart and to touch you deeply and to transform you into the the person that God has created you to be. That is what passion does to our hearts. We don't want religion. We want life. We want to go about this because there's something real and substantial that God does in our lives and through them. So we're going to look at three things that each one could actually be a series. And no, Marty, I'm not offering to preach a series. 
They could be a series, but we're just going to touch on them just, just for a few moments. Three places that I believe God calls us to be passionate in. The first one is this, and the other two can't happen without it. Passionate surrender. This surrender is letting go of anything that keeps us from pursuing the kingdom of God with passion and purpose. It is me laying down all that I need to at the cross of Christ that defines me as anything else than whoever God created me to be. The man that God created me to be, to be a son of God. For the ladies, to be the woman that God created you to be, to be a daughter of the Most High. And all that flows out of that, that identity and purpose in our lives, it means surrendering misguided passions that obscure God's image in my life. Anything that obscures, diminishes the the image of God in me is a passion that needs to be forsaken into the cross. Matthew 16, 25, this is what Jesus says. For if you will choose self-sacrifice, whew, We don't like that. But if you will choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Isn't that incredible? What Jesus is teaching us is about something he's going to show us later at the cross. What he's teaching us is that life is a series of death and resurrections. That is what life is about. I die to what is false, to what I'm tempted to, to what I'm bound by, to what I'm addicted to. I let it go. I I surrender that to Jesus and to his body. And in return, I get to discover who I am created to be. The man God created me to be. The person and the place that God has created me for. To occupy this moment in history, his passion and purpose for my life. We discover that through a series of death and resurrection. We're going to die one way or the other. We're going to die surrendered and more holy, or we're going to die bound and unholy. What do you want to choose? I want to choose as best I can, what Jesus says there. Second thing, passionate devotion. I know these are things that you've heard before. I know I'm teaching ancient things long before any of us were around. But they are the true things of God that have endured from the beginning till now. Ancient things that God speaks into our hearts again and again. Because God is a God who tells us what he's going to tell us Then he tells us what he's telling us, and then he tells us what he told us. Why? Those are his priorities for our lives and for our hearts. So I'm telling you what God already told you, and I love that because then I know I'm right. (laughs) Passionate devotion. We are called to devote ourselves to God's word and to his worship, to his word and to his worship with pure passion. David said in Psalm 138, I think King David was actually quite a passionate man. This is what he says, verse 2 of Psalm 138. I bow down before your divine presence and I bring you my deepest worship as I experience your tender love and your living truth. 
Look at this. He says, For the promises of your word and the fame of your name have been magnified above all else. God, you have exalted above everything else your word and your name. The kingdom of God come to us through the word and through the worship of heaven. A passionate, devoted David in Psalm 86, 11, cried out and he said, Lord, give me an undivided heart that I can know you, that I can know your ways, that I can experience your presence. Give me an undivided heart, Lord. You know what passion does? True passion unites the fractured and divided heart. Our hearts are fractured. They're divided in some ways. That's why we come to church and we seek Jesus. True passion unites my heart around what, is, what matters, about what's important, about the priorities of Jesus for me. True passion unites my broken heart, and we're all brokenhearted. We all have experienced loss. We've all experienced disappointment. Passion comes in and unites my heart. It makes it whole in the presence of Jesus. So we're devoted to God. We're devoted to his word. And we're also devoted to worship. In the book of Revelation, um, the, the Holy Spirit shows us through John this incredible, amazing picture of, of, of what heaven's like as far as, as we can comp- comprehend it. And the, the, the throne of God and the, and the layers and layers and layers of, of angels and, and heavenly creatures and, and saints into the presence of God. And he says this in uh, verse 8 of chapter 4. Each of the four living creatures had six wings full of eyes all around and under their wings. And they worshipped without ceasing. They worshiped without ceasing day and night and they were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I want to ask you a question and then I'm going to tell you the answer. If the occupation of heaven is worship, what should be for us as occupants of the earth united with heaven? It should be worship. The priority of our heart is worship. The the living creatures, the angels, and all of those who were in his presence, they they haven't been redeemed. Jesus didn't die for them. Jesus died for me. He died for me. All the more, I should be a worshiper. All the more, I should be a worshiper. He doesn't have this little subsection. For those of you who don't have the personality to worship, you're excused because you're a personality. I almost said something that would be inappropriate. (laughs) I confess I thought it. The reality is, I know that worship takes on many expressions in our lives, but it better be taking on expression with passion and devotion to the living one. The third one is passionate service. 
we are called to devote ourselves to the works of Jesus. And I want to say this. If we are passionate about the kingdom, if we're passionate about surrendering, if we're passionate about the word, and if we're passionate about the worship Jesus, the worship of Jesus, then passionate service will be the fruit of our lives while we're on this planet. If my passion is focused and centered where it should be as a, as a, as a Christian then flowing out of that will be a passionate commitment to doing the works of Jesus. Passionate service. In fact, I believe we won't be able to stop ourselves if we have our priorities in place with increasing measure in our lives as God is moving on us and healing us. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. We have become His poetry a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. We are joined to Jesus. We are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill them. And one of the things that's been on my heart is, okay, I'm on this planet for a little while. Jesus, in, in his incredible design of his creation, chose for me to be here from February 4th, 1957 to whatever fourth or whatever date in the future. What is God's purpose for me here? If I'm passionately devoted to surrender, if I'm passionately devoted to devotion, if I'm passionately devoted to service, I'll discover why I'm here. I don't know about you guys, I want my life to count. I want my life to count. It says in Acts 13.36 about David, it says he passionately served God's desires or his purpose for his generation. And then it says, and then he died. You know what? My wife doesn't like it when I talk this way. But when I die, if I have a tombstone, I want written on it with all seriousness. I want written on it. Ken Lancaster served God's purposes, purposes passionately for his generation. That will be my best year ever when the culmination of my broken and struggling lives ends with passion on earth being transferred into the passion of heaven. When I'm with him forever and ever and ever, endless passion. That sometimes, and you probably experience this, sometimes I feel this passion and I think my heart is going to explode. That's the passion, the devotion he longs for us. Here's the amazing thing about passion. God has given us the freedom to choose our passions. I don't have to choose to be passionate. I can choose to, to be passive and, and hope life goes well. Because he wants my, my passion to be authentic. I was in, when I was in seminary, I was a very excited freshman. And we were standing, I was singing in a group that was made up of all four uh, levels uh, of seminary. And there were two or three of us freshmen. We were excited that we got into the group. And we're excited we're at seminary. And we're excited, you know, that someday we're going to be ministers of the gospel. And there was, I remember there were two or three upperclassmen. And they looked at us. They said, ah, by the time you're our age, 
You're not going to have that excitement and passion anymore. And I remember looking across that baby grand piano and saying, you're wrong. I will hold on to this passion for all of my life. Now, there's been a lot come to happen to rob me of that passion, my own personal struggles, struggles in life, all the stuff we all face every day that comes to rob us of our passion. But every time that I've been through something like that and the times when I felt like I've given up, I remember one pastor after an intense time of ministry who had stepped out of ministry and he said, do you think you'll ever be a pastor again? And I said, not unless the Holy Spirit comes and knocks me down on the ground and holds me down till I give in. But that passion has always been there. And his time and his place, he brings it forward in our lives. From my journal, I want to read you this. God, you have given us, that is, have created us with the capacity to be passion, passionate. You, God, deserve, the, deserve to be the object of our passion. And I know that you reserve the right to guide and define and direct my passion in accordance with your unlimited creativity and gifts and power. He reserves the right to define our passion. He loves us that much. One more definition of passion. Believe it or not, the definition I'm going to, when you just go to Google and you type in definitions of passion, there's one that's sort of the typical one. And then there's this one that actually comes up as a definition of passion on Google. The suffering and death of Jesus. Meditation. Meditations on the passion of Christ. Synonyms. Crucifixion. Pain. Suffering, agony, martyrdom, the passion of Christ. Oh, here I am. I'm getting y'all excited about being more passionate. And then comes this. Suffering, death, crucifixion, pain, agony, martyrdom. That is actual definition of passion. It's not about passion. It is a definition of passion. And it really goes with the first one we talked about. The Latin word of passion is P-A-T-I, pati. I don't know how to say it, pati, which means it's a definition of suffering. And in the old French, leave it to the French to equate passion with suffering. They, they came with the word passion. For our Latin friends, la passion de Cristo. La passion de Cristo, Jesus. passion of Christ. So the exciting news is this. As we learned in Matthew 16, 25, there's no true passion that is separate from some pain, some sacrifice, some surrender, some dying. To have passion is to willingly participate in what I like to call the divine rhythm the divine rhythm of death and resurrection in our everyday choices, facing our fears, dealing with our temptations, the challenges of our addictions, the difficulty of some relationships, and even facing the broken past. It is the time that you and I get to be united with Christ and die with him and live with him and die again with him and live again with him. And each time we die and we're raised again, we're newer, more, more wonderful, more like Jesus, the new creation created in Christ Jesus. 
That is the outcome of death and resurrection. So the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3, 9 through 10, and I think I'm going to explode when I read this. So here we go. Let's jump in. My passion is to be consumed with him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on some written law, something I've come up with even. My righteousness will be his based on faithfulness, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from God. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings. And I will be one with him in his death. Then and only then will I be able to experience complete one with, oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Morgan, when you're, are you here? You can come on up. Excuse me. There, I want to make a statement. Write it somewhere in your heart. Because this is the absolute truth. There can be no resurrection apart from death and sacrifice and thus no true passion. If we do everything we can to avoid dying, we will never experience resurrection. You can't resurrect something that hasn't died. Jesus knew. He spoke to his disciples and he told them that he was going to die and be resurrected. And Peter goes, oh, no way, man. You're not going to die. You're not going to suffer. Peter, get behind me. I have to suffer. I have to die or there will be no resurrection. Not for me, not for you. As we read earlier, Matthew 6, 25, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and his righteousness that proceeds from him in surrender and devotion and service. Morgan's going to teach us a new song and then we're going we're gonna to share in the passion of Jesus together. We have in the New Testament the description of Jesus with the disciples. Just before his passion And he, he, he told him about a cup that represented his blood poured out, his passion being whipped on a whipping post, his passion bleeding from the whipping post to the cross, and his passion of bleeding from the cross onto the ground beneath it. This is a symbol of his passion. The passion we're invited to participate in. And I can imagine him there with the disciples when he says, This bread, this is my body. This is my passion for you. I'm being broken for your wholeness to restore your passion 
which he certainly does. He says this, like this, my body, torn by the whipping post, torn by the cross on my back, torn by the nails in my hands and in my feet. This is my passion. The book of Corinthians, Paul tells us, don't take this lightly. Pay attention to the condition of your heart when you do it. Be passionate, not passive. Not traditional, but passionate. So I want to invite you today. We'll sing this song as we do this. So sing, let's worship together. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us know our hearts as we come. We don't have to come perfect, but we need to come ready to say yes, Jesus, to your death and resurrection. If you're gluten-free, it's on the center table. So let's pray, and then we'll take communion together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your passion for us. That truly, 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 you revealed your passion through your death. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross and you scorned its suffering out of passion for we, your people, as individuals and for your body as a whole. So we ask you to speak your word into our hearts. This one loaf, this one body that you died for. Help us to participate in your passion with readiness of heart. Okay, when you're ready, come on up. ask those of you who are seated to stand and, and as, as much as is comfortable for you, would you join hands? You don't have to bridge the aisles or anything, but when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus revealed the truest meaning of passion, he did it for individuals to become one. And if I am, as a Christian, going to be able to be the passionate man that he created me to be, I need you. And we need each other. In our Western culture, we've individualized and we become, in effect, the Marlboro man. We're out on a horse with a cigarette. Rather than holding on to each other's hands and strengthening each other. There is no way to be this kind of passionate person on our own. Because sometimes I don't have passion, but you do. Sometimes I need your passion because I don't have passion right now. Sometimes I'm just broken. Sometimes I'm just weeping. Sometimes I'm just full of despair. And so I need you to infuse your passion into me in Jesus' name. So as we stand together, we symbolize the one loaf broken that unites us as one. So Jesus, I ask you that as as we stand here, 
join hand in hand. Another symbol, a living symbol of your passion. I pray that you would unite us with each other in good and holy and real and substantial passion. We pray, say this with me, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's do that again all together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For our Latin friends, Benga tu reino, hágase tu voluntad in la tierra como in el cielo. Let's do that again. Benga tu reino, hágase tu voluntad in la tierra como en el cielo. Amen. God bless you guys. Love on each other. Amen. Say your prayers and let them soar. Fall on your knees and be restored. Look to Jesus.